Well, welcome. We're very happy that you tuned in again. Uh, this is WNZN Radio coming uh, from Lorain, Ohio. And if you're listening and having a problem listening on your on your radio, you can go and live stream us at www.nznn.org. And so, once again, we're looking at another interesting topic. I'm here with my friend and assistant, David Abood. Great to be here, John. Another beautiful day, despite yes. the snow we had this week in April. That's yeah. kind of interesting, but yeah. uh, nevertheless, it's a good day. Yes. The Bible says today is the day that the Lord has made, mm-hmm. and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And so, we've been looking at some interesting topics the past weeks, David. Yes. Because we're in the whole Easter kind of a month there. We looked at Good Friday, the seven sayings of Jesus on the cross, and then particularly last week, resurrection, yeah. proofs of the resurrection, scripturally, historically, the empty tomb, the mm-hmm. transformed lives of the early church, particularly the apostles that gave up their lives, testifying that they admit the risen Savior. So we're going to shift gears again, although we could come back and revisit some of those down the road. But going forward, we actually had some interesting guests that are lined up in the yeah. weeks to come. And I want us to look at perhaps the most important question um, in the world today. You know, anyone that's alive, I think this is this looms as probably the very biggest question, problem, answer, whatever you want to fit the category. But that is, is there a God or is there no God? And of course, we're going to look at it from the position that indeed there is a God and we're going to narrow that down as we go along to the God revealed to us in the Bible. So is there a God? Well, nobody can say categorically, okay, this is proof there is no God or this is proof there is a God. But what we can do is offer many, many um, proofs or observable circumstances and phenomena that weigh the scale in favor that there is a God. Now, if you become a believer, of course, then you can actually come into a personal experience uh, with the living God. You can actually know him and and sense his peace and his power and his purpose in your life and as he opens up the scriptures to you. But it's interesting, David, that the Bible doesn't offer us all kinds of proofs of God. It just presumes from the very beginning that there is a God. That's why the first verse in the Bible says, in the beginning, God. In the mm-hmm. beginning, God. It just, you know, puts it out there like that. It doesn't say, here's six reasons why you should believe there's a God. There are places in the Bible where it's going to talk about God revealed himself through nature and through mm-hmm. conscience yeah. and through other things. But it does start out by simply saying it is the foundation of the whole theology of the Bible that there is a God. He exists. He is very active, and I think we're going to look at today, there's reasons to believe, there's strong reasons to believe mm-hmm. of the, in a God, and particularly the God that the Bible uh, shows us. Right. We're going to look at that. Yeah. So um, now the Bible will say one of the ways that God reveals himself, as uh, we're going to see, is through his creation. Mm-hmm. He is not part of creation. Uh, he's outside of creation. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. But he's revealed himself in creation. It is a little like if you go to the art museum, you go to the Cleveland Art Museum, and you see a famous painting. Well, th- you may not ever meet the painter. He might be long right. gone. He might have yeah. lived four centuries ago. But by looking at his painting, you first of all, you know it had to be painted. You know right. it needed a, a yeah. very highly skilled, talented right. person to do that. And number two, you might be able to tell something about that particular painter. Mm -hmm. Van Gogh is different than Rembrandt. Rembrandt is different than Charles Russell. So you you would know something about the creator of that painting, the the artist, uh, by just looking at his work. And so, too, we should know something about God by just looking at his creation, Mm -hmm. his creative work. As a matter of fact, that'll say that in Psalm 19 where it says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. What it's saying there is basically night and day, day and night, God is revealing himself Mm -hmm. to us through a universe. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a statement. Matter of fact, universe comes from the two words uni, one, verse, statement. Mm -hmm. Universe. So it's a continual statement by God, where he says, uh, day unto day utter its speech, 
night unto night reveals knowledge. So here we see God's revealed yeah. himself. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. In other words, all through the world, all through time, because man can look at nature, he can look at the universe, he can look at his own body, he can start saying yeah. to himself a right. reason. There had to be somebody that made this. Right. Right. Any suggestions, David, before we really get into this? This well, is a very important element when you look at just why is there something yeah. rather than nothing. Yeah, you know, the other thing that I wrote down is Moses wrote Genesis, right, right. Jen? Mm -hmm. So that was 300 years before he was born. He was on the earth. Or it was. I think that's correct, right? It was about 300 years. Well, um, we don't know how. You mean what Moses yeah. lived approximately 1,500 years B.C., okay. uh, which is... 3,500 years from maybe where we're at right now. Yeah. When time began or when creation began is, it's a point of conversation. But nevertheless, mm -hmm. he he needed revelation to uh, that God yes. could reveal what was the order of creation. Yeah. And so in Genesis one uh, one to thirteen, he listed out those thirteen items, the order of creation. Right. How could he have known that? Exactly. Right? Yeah. Unless it was a supernatural. Um, so anyway, that, that, that's just one of the things that Genesis brings out, um, you know, and, and then you can also just take a look at other things in the Bible, which we'll touch on, which actually explains how the earth works physically, the mm -hmm. laws of nature. And we can get into some of that yeah. I mean, because some of this stuff, you know, uh, wasn't figured out until close to 2000 years later. And it's already there in the Bible. Uh, oh so, yeah, yeah, right. We can talk about that. Yeah, yeah I mean, I have again, some quotes on that. Um, if you look at Genesis, it shows a very orderly uh, system. Right. You know, it says later on in the New Testament that God is not a God of chaos, but He's a God of order. Right. So when you look, you know, He first and foremost, the first verse in the beginning, mm -hmm. God created the heavens and the earth. So we see a lot there that there was a beginning. Right. This now, is Genesis one. Genesis one. Right. Even even. Unbelieving scientists will mm -hmm. say that there was a beginning point because right. we live in an expanding universe. Right. You know, this is mm -hmm. discoverable. This is a noble truth of science. There well, was a beginning of the planet some 4.6 billion years ago. There was a there yeah, was an, there was an a start. expansion. Right. We're an ex we could actually measure it, which mm -hmm. means there's a starting point. Right. The Bible declares there's a starting point. Now, scientists who don't believe in God will say that it was just an explosion. A singularity, a little tiny, almost like a dot, mm -hmm. whatever reason, decides to explode and expand, and out of it would come matter, and matter would cool off and coalesce into different systems and mm -hmm. get, you know, over time and chance. But the Bible doesn't say that. It says there's a beginning, in the beginning, God. But what this also suggests is God is outside of creation. Just like an inventor is outside of yes. his invention, a right. painter is outside of his painting, mm -hmm. in the beginning, Okay, that suggests time. Yeah. God created, that's phenomena. Heavens is space and earth is matter. So you're starting to see right in the first verse all these important components. Mm -hmm. Time, phenomena, space, matter. But out behind it all is somebody that's spaceless, timeless, mm -hmm. all intelligent, Right. That has the capacity to draw to 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 make this all powerful universe mm -hmm. that we inhabit today, and then it goes very orderly, uh, you know, one, two, three, down all the way through six days, yeah, and just an orderly uh, procedure <clears throat> yeah. that we see. But then when you come to the creation of man, he he doesn't speak it into existence. He <laughs> comes down and fashions man yeah. out of clay, and then yeah. breathes into him. Which suggests, as the Bible declares, that man is made in the image of God. That we are unique, we're special, we're not made like everything else, like stars and moons and squirrels and yeah. insects. We're different, we're unique. Right. And it's it, observations suggest that is indeed true. That we're different than any other thing. We, for one thing, we have capacity to be self-aware. It's kind of like Rene Descartes would say, yeah. I think, therefore I am. Well, right. I have capacity to reflect. I just don't react instinctually right. yeah. to the world around me. I could I could step back and say, I am. I am a being. I you know, I, I can reflect on that. Which causes me to ask this big question we're asking today, mm -hmm. is there a, a being yeah. outside of me that created me? So that kind of starts walking us into this mm -hmm. whole idea. God displays his power 
through creation, through the universe. Mm -hmm. And if you turn to Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 19, it's going to say that. It's going to say very clearly. Um, chapter 19. Uh-huh. And this is written to a or, Gentile. Or verse 19. Uh, starting with uh, verse 19. Uh-huh. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. Okay, so it's plain. Man should right. see this. It's not like hidden, mm -hmm. mysterious, cryptic, encoded. And then he goes on to explain. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that peoples are without excuse. The, okay, so thanks, yeah. David. That tells us a lot. Mm -hmm. Number one, it tells us all people throughout all the ages should know that there's a God by just looking at what he made. Right. It was Abraham Lincoln that said, everything that I see teaches me to believe in a God that I do not see. So when you look at creation, you look at order, uh, finely tuned universe, that should tell us you cannot have a complex, uh, organized system, whether it's mm -hmm. a cell or yeah. an elephant or a solar system, that's just haphazard. Mm -hmm. you just, it just doesn't happen anymore no. than the watch that I wore on my wrist just came together when a bunch of plastic and metal it all just got yeah. jumbled together. So then he says, it's clearly seen, mm -hmm. but God is invisible, um, being understood by the things that are made. There's the universe, right? Even his eternal power. So we know God's all powerful. Mm -hmm. His Godhead, and that nobody can say, I did not know there was a God. Yeah. I did. That's yeah. why they'll say in Psalm chapter 14, <clears throat> verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. He, there's a <clears throat> man may not want to acknowledge God. That's why it says right. in his heart. Yes. But if his, his intellect mm -hmm. and his eyes are telling something, someone, Put this all together. Even right. if you don't believe in the God of the Bible, you right. have to at least mm -hmm. offer the possibility yes. that there's this all-powerful being that, that put this thing together. Yeah, and, you know, there was an article in Live Science back in uh, 2016 which talked about the fact that there's over one trillion species of animals and microbes on Earth, and, John, all of them need to be fed. Right. And there's a system to feed them. There's migrational systems that happen every year, every season. Uh, there's night and day uh, throughout the, you know, the planet. It, it, the order is just unbelievable. It's, it's undeniable. It's undeniable, as, uh, as God says here, clearly. So that, that, you know, now there's many, <clears throat> over the centuries, um, people have developed proof systems or arguments yeah. for God. Some are more technical, some are less mm -hmm. technical. Yeah. But the early church did not necessarily offer a lot of, it was almost presumed yeah. that there was a God, or assumed, if you will. We move in a day and age now where people need more proofs, mm. which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, because it suggests we've really drifted uh, away from God. Now, like, for example, one of the famous ways is what's called the uncaused cause, that everything that has a beginning had a cause that caused it to begin. It's like dominoes. You had to have a first mm -hmm. domino. Mm -hmm. which uh, And there's nothing that could just start on its mm -hmm. own accord. Yeah. Well, that goes all the way back to the prime mover or, or the first cause. But people go, well, then God, who, who created God or who caused God? But by definition, by definition, God is uncaused. Mm -hmm. Just like he's infinite. We don't understand that. Our brain can't handle that term infinite. Mm -hmm. Because you think think of an infinite number, then just add one to it. Then it's right. not infinite. Then yeah. add one to it. So right. yeah. it's like space. How far right. can you go? Well, right. what's you go as you know as far as you go. Yeah. Then you go one mile further. And you right. go. On. So to God, it suggests there's this uncaused cause that that and that's why God will declare Himself in the Bible, "I am that I am," mm -hmm. or he, or Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. There's this sense right. of uncaused cause. I use the illustration of a cartoon page. So if, if you have a cartoon page and the artist is outside of that page, he's drawn the figures and drawn the, the whole cartoon sequencing. Yeah. Well, the figures, if they had a little bit of intelligence, they would know what's coming in the next, in the next panel. It moves along, so to speak. 
because they're two-dimensional beings on this right. page. Yeah. But the artist or the cartoonist is not on the page. He's outside the page. And, and therefore, he sees the very beginning to the very last panel of that cartoon page. But little figures on that, little human figures, let's say, on that, on that two-dimensional plane, they would think, no, he's, we, our only tools to understand this is what we have right here on this little limited thing. They can't even imagine somebody that doesn't live on this. You know, see what I'm saying? Because, well, no, they know that something came before. They know there's a panel before them and we're moving along. But you mean there's somebody that's bigger than this page, this universe itself, and outside that he actually created it? It was no big deal to him? So when you start understanding these principles, it makes more and more sense yeah. that there's a creator and there's a creation. Absolutely. You know, yeah, so th there's a couple uh, things. Um, you know, when you take a look at it, uh, if, if you look at um, Isaiah 40, 22, um, it says he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, just right. like you were talking about uh -huh. with the cartoonist, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live on, above the circle of the earth. Right. How long did it take for us to figure out the earth wasn't flat? Right. Right. So you have that. I'll just do a couple more. Job twenty six seven. Um, it talks. It says he spreads out the northern skies over empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. Isaac Newton published a comprehensive theory on gravity not until 1687, mm -hmm. right? Um, then you look at Ecclesiastes 1.6. It talks about atmospheric circulation. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. That wasn't figured out to the early 18th century with George Hadley, an English lawyer and meteorologist. So th there's stuff like that that you can point to uh, right there in the Bible where God is telling you how he designed the right, planet. Right, And then we didn't figure it out for close to 2,000 years later. Exactly. So, you know, that, that's just one aspect of the proof theory where you look at the, the finesse and, you know, the detail, the explicit detail uh, of the planet and how it, how it evolved and how it operates. Exactly right. I mean, yeah. there's, a, there's, an arc, there's a, a proof system called the theological. Yeah argument which simply says that there's a design there's a design to this universe again right. you can look at a leaf on a tree mm -hmm. you can look at the planet in the solar system right you can look at the human body it, it has the appearance of design mm -hmm. simply put design requires a designer that's just <clears throat> basic right. now there was a famous christian philosopher by the name of william paley he lived in born in 1743 uh -huh. died in 1805 so you're looking Two, two and a half centuries ago. Yeah. He, he, here's the analogy he used way back then. He says, functional arrangements in natural organisms to those in human artifacts, such as a pocket watch. So he said, if, mm -hmm. if, if you're walking along the beach yeah. and you were to find a rock, you wouldn't necessarily say, okay, this is, this is highly organized. It's very mm -hmm. uh, detailed. It was once alive. You wouldn't have any of that kind of structure, intelligence yeah. going. But... He says, if you found a watch lying on the beach, you wouldn't think that was not designed, that there wasn't a watchmaker. It's called his watchmaker yes. proof system. Yeah. It's, it's the idea that yeah. anytime you hear that much complexity and function, <clears throat> uh, it indicates a designer. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you were flying in a little airplane over a beach, let's say, yeah. and you saw some rocks scattered there, you wouldn't think anything of it. Okay, yeah. they, they washed ashore and there's some driftwood. But if you saw them arranged and it said, please help me, SOS, a lot of, made out of rocks and timber, you would think there's some intelligent being down there that arranged these things. Right. It couldn't have happened randomly right. by the ocean just throwing rocks and yeah. debris. Mm -hmm. it's, it's very orderly and it communicates mm -hmm. to you some message. Yeah. So too, when you look at, yeah. again, you look at an insect, yeah. or you look at a cell, a molecule, yeah. a tree, yeah. Uh, I yeah. mean, I'm looking, you, you drive through, you know, Bay Village, and you're seeing these trees that were, two months ago, they looked like they were dead. There was no, no, yeah. no leaves, there's no flowers, there's no nothing. And yeah. all of a sudden, they're blooming, and there's flowers coming out of them, and little tiny seeds, and they're turning green with leaves. What, what, what is the programming that that tree has 
that all started in a thing the size of a marble and a yeah. little seed right. that could develop and not say the possibility that there's some kind of designer behind this. Yeah. We can't make a tree. Yeah. You know, human beings, best scientists in the world cannot produce a tree. You know, um, a, a simple example, uh, you know, I, I got this book a few years ago uh, from somebody, Phil Robertson, uh, who was the star of Duck Dynasty, and it was the number one New York Times bestseller. And he just points to the real basic simplicity uh, of God's creation. And he, he talks about uh, a mayfly on the river. Uh, a mayfly starts out as a larva in the water, and it looks like nothing more than a little maggot. When the water level rises, the larva crawls up the trees on the riverbank. They build cocoons that look like spider webs and then emerge as flying creatures. You see mayflies flying all over the river, and they live only long enough to drop their eggs into the water. Why? Because when they die and fall into the water, fish come up and eat them. Right. Mayflies are fish food. It's a cycle. Mayflies drop their eggs, and then they die. Fish eat them. The larvae climb up the trees, and then it starts all over again. Who's feeding the fish? Yeah. The Almighty is. Right. And, and I like I love that simple example. Well, it shows systems. <laughs> yeah. There, it's right. not just creation, but there's right. systems within systems. Yeah. Oh yeah. And just like you, you know, any human thing, when it mm -hmm. dies, it goes back into the earth. Even God says, "From dust thou art, dust thou shalt." But when we these bodies, whether animal, <clears throat> insect, like you just quoted there, or yeah. humans, right. That nourishes the earth. Right. That life can come forth from the earth. So yeah. it, it's a beautiful balance, not only of yeah. a created order, but a sustained order. Right. It talks about how God not only created, but he holds this thing together. Come on. Yeah. If the sun was a little bit closer, mm -hmm. we'd burn up. Right. It's a little bit further away, yeah. we'd freeze. I mean, wh why is he hold the rain so we get enough? To, to, to fertilize mm -hmm. and, to, and, to, and to give the necessary moisture for the growth of vegetation mm -hmm. yeah. and to sustain life, which I, we, we all need water. Yeah. We, but it doesn't give so much that we're flooded. Right. You know, why does the oceans come thus far mm -hmm. and not further inland? It, and that's controlled yeah. by the moon. Right. Which is 250,000 miles away. Which is in perfect alignment yeah, well, the way we need like it. It's like a watch. Right. Yeah. yeah. So when you start looking at these things, you almost become like the psalmist. It's almost like you become like a hymn writer. You're saying, yeah. how can this? Now, Bill Gates will say the amount of code on a DNA strand is more complex than any computer made by a human being today. <clears throat> by far. Any DNA, if you look at DNA mm -hmm. strand today, and we just started looking at this maybe since 1950 when they started exploring the DNA and chromosome, mm -hmm. it has loaded with code that you're going to have blue eyes or this bird's going to have red feathers or it's going to be what? Loaded, encoded. Yeah. But to encode something, to inform, to, you, to have information embedded into this interesting strand of DNA, you have to have an informant. Now, let's not say it's the God of the Bible, but you need an informant, just like you need somebody to yeah. encode a Bible. I mean, encode the computer with information, right? Well, yeah. But not only yeah. do you need to encode it, Mm -hmm. you, it has to be read or it has to be decoded. Yeah. So, so there, there's part in this DNA system that can take that information and relay it that this organism is going to have blue eyes or it's yeah. going to have blonde hair or whatever. How do you get there? Uh, you know, John, I, I was just looking at this. How long is the DNA uh, strand uncoiled? 67 billion miles long. That's how many feet long the DNA from one of your cells would be if you uncoiled each strand and placed them end to end. Uh, the same is about 150,000 round trips to the moon. Wow, yeah. amazing. So, I mean, you kidding me? <laughs> how, how do you work that out? It, it's just yeah. too much. I mean, it's just yeah. when you start looking. So that the technically, that's called mm -hmm. uh, the design argument or teleological right. argument yeah. that this thing indicates... Uh, a designer, an yeah. architect. Uh, just like if you were to be going through the woods and you came upon <clears throat> a log cabin and there was, you know, it's, it's beautifully structured with timber <clears throat> and you look in, there's a brick uh, stone fireplace right. and in the yeah. fireplace there's a fish roasting on the fire. And I said, nobody ever lived in this forest before, David. I think there must have been a great storm and the wood cavity slide down and the lightning hit it and stones rolled in together to form a fireplace. And when the lightning struck, it caused this flame mm -hmm. to start, 
And by the way, a fish jumped out of the stream and jumped in here to be. You would think I'm crazy. Yes. It, it indicates human design. Yeah. It, it, there's intelligence mm -hmm. that put this whole thing together. Yeah. So that's a one argument that really is put out there. Mm -hmm. Another explanation is what we call a moral argument. And that is the idea that contained within man is this idea of right and wrong. Even primitive man had that mm -hmm. societies generally knew something was wrong. Yeah. Uh, I shouldn't steal uh, we, you know, uh, another person's property. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't just go up and hurt another person or kill another. Mm -hmm. Now we can, we can, we can, we can suppress that feeling, that mm -hmm. conscience that yeah. we are dealing with. But it indicates that there's a lawgiver somewhere that when he made us, yeah. he put this little, so to speak, moral compass into yes. us. Yeah. Now that's true for Christian or non-Christian, but we have this moral compass. So where does that come from? Exactly. This, uh, you know. Yeah. You go around the world through all time. Like I said, man could turn his back on that and try to click that switch off and become very violent and mean or wicked. Uh, that's another issue. But it does seem throughout time, man has had this capacity uh, to know good and evil. Yeah. And the other thing is, if you look at um, in Genesis one twenty seven, it says that, you know, uh, God created man in the, you know, God created humans in the image of God. Right. So aren't we going to have some of his character traits and qualities? Yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think one of the things when we were studying churches, and this wasn't lost on me when you were uh, teaching me this idea, that, you know, sometimes you go into a church and you might not like uh, one of the members, or, you know, you have issues and you start to do your human thing, where, uh -huh. you know, you have emotions sure. and, you know, you don't like this individual, you don't want to work with them. But then it's clear that when God created humans in the image of himself, we all have different qualities to right, give right. for the one body. And that's a different show, but it's similar because some people are artists, some people are inventors, some people are great teachers like yourself. Um, you're also an artist, you know, from the stuff you've done in the past. So it, it, it's, it's so clear, you know, and, and then you can extrapolate, you know, how this works. You just have to follow the Bible. Right. The Bible really is the blueprint for life and understand. I mean, we have said that. How many times have we said that? Well, yeah. yeah I mean, you know, it's, again, well, there would be my people listening today. And once again, this is WNCN Radio coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. And we're offering this program today. And we might do follow-ups on this because I think this topic is so important, oh, particularly in our day and age. Oh, yeah. Because what seems to be happening in the world is, mm -hmm. by and large, people are turning their back on the evidence of God. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he provides all this evidence and reasons to believe. It's very reasonable uh, to believe uh, in a God. That's why the, it'll say in Second Peter um, chapter 3, um, when it says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready uh, to give an answer. <clears throat> To everybody that asks you a reason for the hope that lies within you and do it with respect uh, for that other person. But it's that idea that God, he says a reason that that uh, you have this hope. Well, it, again, faith is reasonable. It, it's a very reasonable um, system that God has given to us to prove and to authenticate that there is a God. Yeah. Now, um, some of the other things that, that will, are going to show us that there's a God is the idea that man has this hunger. It says in Ecclesiastes mm -hmm. chapter 3, verse 11, yeah. that God has put eternity in our hearts, okay? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which means that man throughout time has sought something more than himself. Yeah. He knows, he almost, St. Augustine says, our, our hearts are restless, O oh Lord, until they find their rest in Thee. We know there's more. So if you have an appetite for hunger, there's something that can satisfy. Yes. If you have yeah. a if you have a thirst for a liquid, there's something to satisfy. Yeah. If you have a hunger for friendship, there's there's something that may yeah. satisfy that uh, that desire. But if you have a desire, <clears throat> this innate desire, yeah. to know or to think about a God, it suggests there's a God that can satisfy. That hunger. That, that's a whole nother show, too, because we talked about addictions. We talked about suicides from celebrities and very wealthy individuals. Once they achieve 
uh, all of their goals in the material realm, they're still not happy. Yeah, they're right. still unfulfilled. Right. And so, you know, that, that speaks to that. And again, you know, we can touch on that, but, you know, it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when you think of a baby and the umbilical cord. Right. If we cut the umbilical cord to God, bad things happen. John, bad things happen, and we have seen it time and time again. I have experienced that myself before I came to Christ. And so you really, you really need to understand what we're saying here, but look it up yourself. You know, even if you take a look uh, at uh, the resurrection according to the Apostle Paul, and, you know, is there a God? You know, did God come down to earth? You know, and you look at it, and, you know, uh, you talk about the fact that Jesus was risen. He ate and drank with the disciples uh, in Acts. You can take a look at that. And Paul goes through a whole proof system about the resurrection. Yeah. Uh, you should look at that book and, and study it. I think it'd be really helpful. And that's just another area where the Bible talks about the fact that God came down to redeem us and save us and the proof theory behind that. How many atheists do we know that have been turned once they tried to blow the Bible apart right. and they started to look at what was in the Word, you know, from the fact that we talked about this at the previous show, that women came to the tomb first even though they had no voice in court and, and they were not highly regarded in society. We talk about the fact that all the disciples, you know, saw Christ and then over 500 people afterwards. Um, there's just so many things that um, if you try and blow it up, go ahead. Yeah, right. But when you start to really dive in, you're, it's just so hard to break. And you know, as I, as I mentioned in the last one, when Jay Warren Wallace said one of the things that convinced him this was true is that he started to realize the apostles were just recording what they saw, which, which included seeing water and then uh, blood and then water coming from the side of Christ after the sword in the side of uh, Christ was put, and they had no idea that was part of the way death was supposed to go till you know a long mm -hmm. time later. So, I, I I think there's so much. Not only we're talking about nature, we're also talking about the proof system in the Bible. Uh, we've given facts regarding how the universe works. You know the the Earth works. So you know there's so much here when you answer that question. Right, and you know, when we share this with others, our, we, our attitude has to be one like to be yeah. helpful, like before we were Christians. Right. This is a very interesting quote by Douglas Gruthius, an apologist, mm -hmm. which means somebody that explains the faith. He says this, The Christian worldview is not proven in one or two strokes, but is rather verified by appealing to a wide and compelling mm -hmm. variety of converging arguments, like yeah. we're doing now. Christianity is shown to be the best explanation for origin and nature of the universe as well as the human condition and the facts of history. Moreover, Christians must be pastoral in their apologetic practices. We must care deeply for the lost, not simply desire to defeat their arguments. The stakes are too high for apologetic one-upmanship. So what he's saying is essentially, we got the, I mean, it is the best worldview out there. It explains, oh, yeah. <clears throat> but when we share this with others, we have to have a love for these people that yeah. are searching or they're lost, mindful that we were once in their shoes, and to reach out, not trying to win an argument, but try to really see somebody receive more light to come to an understanding of who Jesus is. I, I, think, you're, is. I think you're better than anybody I know in terms of how many different types of people from different walks of life have come up to you over your 40 plus years in uh, missionary work and going to different countries and have asked you, you know, does God exist? And you know, John, one of the things that, that I realized too is the fact that it's not just the question. You can't can an answer. Well, you know, look at the finesse of nature or look at this. You have to know who the individual is right? and the life experiences that have driven them to ask that question because it sure is difficult. And, and John, uh, Dr. John Lennox, uh, professor of mathematics at, uh, at, uh, Oxford. at Oxford, yeah. yeah, you know, I really, I really liked He's him good, yeah. in his interview. You know, he basically said, you know, so somebody came up to me and they just lost a, a loved one from cancer. 
And they're like, you know, does God exist? And I loved his response. I never thought about it this way. I'm always trying to, you know, come up, well, well, that's, an, uh, you know, God's here, even though. And he said, um, at the heart of our Christianity, there's not a set of physical laws, but a cross. At the very least, it says God didn't remain distant from suffering, but became part of it to save us and redeem us. So it's a much different answer than the arguments of nature or science but it's an important one. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the best answer to give. Oh, yeah, because... He experienced, and he knows. And we created the mess we're in. He didn't. Right. He gave us the Garden of Eden, and it was because of the sin of Adam and Eve that we have all this chaos. But he came in to experience it firsthand. Exactly. So yeah. I think that's the way you answer that question. If you have, you're trying to create new disciples, and they're so angry with God about everything that's going on in the world. Right. And, and and that's what the Bible says. We yeah. live in a fallen world. Right. That's the thing is, the Bible shows how at the beginning, uh, God declares at the end of the sixth day of creation, it is very good. But by the time you get to chapter 3 and 4, it's not good. There's violence. <clears throat> uh, there's all kinds of idolatry and everything. Yeah. Because it turned. You know, it's like... Uh, right. It's like you buy a really great car, right? And in the glove compartment, you have the owner's manual. Tells you when to get an oil change, what type of lubricants to use, what service station to take it to, how to operate. Well, if you never refer to the operator's manual, in a year or two's time, that car is going to have serious problems. Right. But you cannot blame the maker of the car. Right. Because we, didn't yeah. we, we did not follow the owner's manual, David, you see, until we discovered the owner's manual, <laughs> how life works. Yeah. And, that's why when you come back and you weigh this on a scale, yeah. evidence for God on this side, evidence for no God on this side, you keep layering these pieces on there and it just weighs down in, in, in the evidence mm -hmm. that there is a God. Mm -hmm. And therefore, there's four main questions that humans have asked throughout all of history. And it's been in religions and philosophies. And number one is origin. How did this all start? Why is there something rather than nothing? And why is it the way we see it? You know, the sun comes up at a certain time and, you know, we, we go to sleep at night and for eight hours something is controlling our body, blood circuitry, heart is beating. Mm -hmm. yeah, all of these systems we see around us when we open our eyes and look at the universe. So how did that start? That's origin. Number two is meaning. Does this life, does this existence have meaning? Or is it eat, drink, and be merry, tomorrow we die? Yeah. Or that uh, my life is meaningless. That, and, and sometimes people will take their own life because they don't mm -hmm. think there's any reason for living. Yeah. Now, the third big, big question is morality. Mm -hmm. How should I live my life? Or is it just me getting what I want? Try not to hurt too many people along yeah. the way or get more and more possessions. Yeah. Like you look at somebody like you, um, Howard Hughes. One of the wealthiest men in America at the time developed the airline, use mm -hmm. uh, aviation. He dies. He's in a hotel room with all kinds of boxes of Kleenex and tissues because he was afraid of germs catching. You know, sad. Famous people, rich people, like you brought up earlier, wealthy, do not have that meaning yeah. in their life. And that affects morality. What? How do should I live my life? And Jesus says, hey, pray for your enemies. Mm -hmm. Help those that deceitfully use you. Uh, maintain a high morality, purity of mm -hmm. thought. And don't be covetous. Number four, the big, big question is destiny. What happens after I die? Those are your four biggies right there. And all philosophies, to a degree, and religions, try to answer those in some way. But only Christianity, I believe, answers those things in high detail. Oh, Starting, meaning morality mm -hmm. or conduct and of course destiny yeah. in, in the bible you know when we take a look at the chaos going on in the world today and even throughout history you know yeah, yeah we have a, a, a pandemic this is really it's rough but it's no different than what we've seen in other times yeah right you know um it, it and i think that's where you know we've said this before you know, the supernatural element of the Bible, the fact this is the word of God. God instructs us in Ephesians 6 about the armor he's given us right. to do battle with the enemy or Satan uh, because, you know, this world is not about uh, flesh versus flesh, right? You know, we, we, if we shouldn't be arguing with our neighbors, and that's one of the Ten Commandments, love thy neighbor 
like, you know, I love thyself, hold God is number one. Right. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's all there. And not only is it very comforting, but I think the way God goes about it is he talks about the fact that, hey, man, I created the planet you're living on. Right. And I did it for you. And then there was a problem in the Garden of Paradise. You guys created the problem. And not only did I send help, I sent my own son to experience your suffering and be the perfect sacrifice. So, again, through the cross, uh, we, we are being redeemed. And now we are promised eternal life. So the question is, is there a God? It answers so many other questions or nagging issues that happen to your brain every single day. Right. I'm not good enough. I'm not successful enough. I'm a horrible father. I'm a horrible brother. I'm a horrible husband. All those things uh, is what the enemy wants you to do to get you off center. And that's where people start to wonder, is there really a God? Why am I wasting my time? I'm just going to live and, as you said, be merry and focused on the things that, that make me physically and mentally happy. Right. But all that stuff is short-lived. That's the problem. And, and then right before you die, you're going to be sitting there saying, okay, I got you know a million bucks in the bank or whatever it is, but are you going to be thinking about that or looking for your Savior? Right. And so right. don't wait too long. I mean, d don't wait at all. I mean, now is the time... You know, um, I, as I told you before, when, when I got into this with you, I thought, oh, yeah, when I retire, right. you know, I'll have time to read the Bible and, sure. and get into the small groups and praise God I met you when I did and that we had the ability. And you're like, hey, Dave, don't mess around. It's time to go now. Sure. This is what it's all about. Right. And so centered on Christ is the key for your whole life that's the answer and so that that's why it does god exist it's so important and the best blueprint for it is right in the bible and that's what we're trying to suggest let alone you you know you take a look at the proof system the mathematical proof system of the fact is jesus really god uh you know and there's over 300 prophecies listed to point to him as the messiah you know even if there were just eight prophecies suggesting that you know, Professor um, uh, Stoner, uh, he was the, uh, the head, the chairman of mathematics and astronomy at uh, Pasadena City College until 1853, or excuse me, 1953. And he said uh, the chances of that are 1 to 10 to the 17th power. That would be equivalent to covering the whole state of Texas with silver dollars two feet deep and then expecting a blindfolded man to walk across the state and on the very first try find the one coin you marked uh, roughly equivalent to the Providence uh, of Ontario being 1.5 feet deep. But anyway, you brought that example up to me a while yeah, back right, where that right. blind man's going on the state and he just picks up the right coin. Yeah, it's impossible. No way. It's Not just, a chance. So You just um, run the data in right. terms of laws of probability. It's not yeah. going to happen. I always say it like this. In about seven months' time, there's going to be a World Series, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If I wrote right down on a piece of paper the two teams that were going to be in the World Series, mm -hmm. the winning team, the most valuable player, and the final score, just those four rather basic predictions, right. and I put it in an envelope, <clears throat> and you opened it up after the last World Series game, yeah. and they were all true, mm -hmm. that's only seven months away, only four kind yes. of meager predictions, you yes. would say that is incredible. I mean, if you were a betting man, mm -hmm. but how about it? Like you brought out, what if you're getting prophecies from 500 years out that when the Messiah comes, he's going to be born in Bethlehem, or that he's going to be betrayed for 30 pieces yes. of silver, or that he's going to hang on a cross, Psalm 22, and he's going to look at people gambling for his robe. That's a thousand years before the event happens. The fact he was supposed to be pierced, you know, they talk about all of that is pre-written. Yeah, exactly. Hundreds of years before Christ ever ever came onto the planet. There's over 300 of those prophecies. Exactly right. So so there's a very interesting book out. It's called There Is a God. But what's interesting is the man that wrote this. His name is Anthony Flew, F-L-E-W. And he was a hardcore atheist. He was a brilliant man. And um, he never believed in God, didn't care for God, didn't mm -hmm. want to put God in any of his thoughts. And he wrote literature and arguments against God. Yeah. But at the end of his life, he wrote this book, and he called it There Is a God. Yeah. Now, he didn't become a Christian, but he did become a, what's known as a theist. He believed in a God. He said, all I did was follow the evidence for where it took me. 
And when I studied the, all my evidence, all my life, at the end of my life, I came to the conclusion that there is a God that created this universe, period. Mm -hmm. Very interesting that this hardcore atheist, he was really the Richard Dawkins of his day, and he would end up saying there's just too much proof uh, that there is indeed a creator, a designer, a sustainer. And he says there is a God. He wrote a book on it. And then it wasn't long after that he died. So we have many arguments or we have many <coughs> things to cause people to think. Yeah. Uh, sometimes people say, well, I, I just can't believe in a God unless you show me God. But the, there's a problem with that. Number one, H.G. Mm -hmm. Wells wrote an interesting book in the late 1800s called The Invisible Man. Maybe you saw it. There's the idea that there's this yeah. invisible guy. He yep. got some formula. Well, if somebody says, I will not believe in the invisible man unless I see a picture of him, <laughs> by definition, yeah. he, you can, but if you, saw, yeah. if you saw prints out in the snow that he was mm -hmm. making when he was running around the house, or you saw a splash in a pond when he jumped in the water, and then you've seen these little splashes as he swims across a pond, or if you see a pencil lift off your desk and he writes something on a wall, he would be giving you proofs. Right. That he exists, yeah. even though I can't give your proof of I want to see a picture of the invisible man, mm -hmm. because by definition, you can't see him. Yeah. So too with God, if he's all powerful, all, all eternal, he's, he's not going to reveal himself necessarily in our little meager set of requirements for him. But he'll will show us his mm -hmm. effect. Yeah. We can see his creation. We can see his love displayed, as you say, in the cross. Mm -hmm. We can see his uh, sustaining I mean, you know, how the sun comes up at a certain time this morning, yeah. how these trees are blooming. You know, this well, is real stuff. It begs the question, though, John, if everyone is in the image of God, not just Christians that have come to follow him. You know, it's it, it, it really, you know, that's the other question. Some people say, well, hey, if I, if I was made in the image of God, you know, I'm not seeing it. And, you know, some of some folks behavior clearly does not depict that right, either. Right, right. What do you say to that? Or how, how do well, we... again, I go back to the beginning where yeah. God made man in his image. Right. So let's face it. A squirrel does a squirrel thing. He's mm -hmm. programmed instinctually. Yeah. The sun, the moon, the stars, they are put in their orbits <clears throat> by God. They yeah. do what is what makes man, human beings, so different. One of the things is the capacity for choice. We have a free will. Way at the beginning, he said, God says, look, to Adam and Eve, right. here's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Here's the tree of life. Right. Don't eat this. So he's setting up a binary choice system. Right. Choose this. Mm -hmm. Don't choose that. Uh, that's true all through the Bible where God says, this day I've set before you life and death. Choose life. When Jesus hung on the cross, there was two men on either side. One mocked and ridiculed mm -hmm. Jesus. The other said, Lord, I'm a sinner. Remember me when you come into yeah. your parents. Yeah. My point being that, why is there evil? Why, why is there man decrepit and man does wicked things and mean things? Because man has the choice to do those yeah. things. And, and the Bible clearly says in Jeremiah, the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. We're, we're capable of really wickedness. Oh, yeah. You see, it's only through transformation power of Jesus Christ that changes that heart. That can take a murderer and make him a, a, a kind man. That can take somebody that's an alcoholic and make him a mm -hmm. sober man. Transform a life. You see that happening with all these people uh, that he chooses throughout history. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it it, it, it it makes the case for the Bible. Because the yes, Bible clearly does. says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And man does wickedness because he gets away from God and the law of God. You know, it, it's kind of like, John, as our faith grows, we, we get closer to the image of God. Yeah. You know, we're supposed to emulate Christ. Uh, and I think, you know, um, I was just thinking about the non-believers um, like I was. I, I was kind of a baby, and I remember when I first came to you, it, it's it's a good way to look at it. It's mm -hmm. a nice nice way to look at it. As you said, Dave, it's kind of like right now you're drinking, you know, milk. Uh, infant milk. Uh -huh, right. And, you know, so, and I, I was that guy. And now that my faith has grown, and I was nowhere close. I mean, I look, you know, I look at my life, but but now as we get as I get deeper into my faith, there's things that you start to do and decisions you make, which you start to see a little bit of the goodness that God hoped we'd have right. in His image. Um, I got tons of work to do still, but you know, I, I think that's what it's all about. 
the, the non-believers are those infants we have to grab. Right. And we have to train and we have to teach and we have to allow them to mature in their faith. And regardless if they're 70 or not, they're still infants until they come to the Lord. Exactly right. Yeah. David. So I, maybe that's the best way to answer that question and look at it. Yeah, because there, there, uh, there is a reason for existence. Yeah. There is a reason we're on this earth right, right now. You know, right. people have always wondered, what, you know, why am I here? Well, yeah. you know, well there's a reason you're here, and, yeah. and God has a plan. And, but he wants us to come to him right. and get in right relationship with him so he can start revealing his plan to us. Yeah. A lot of people say, I don't know what God's plan, but they've never come to God and they never looked at his, his mm-hmm. what I call his owner manual, you know, mm-hmm. the, the Bible, yeah. Yeah. Uh, to really fully uh, appreciate and appropriate in their life what God has planned for them. Right. But it's a great life. You know, you tell people this, uh, coming out of a life of sin and debauchery, when you tell people, here's what God has for you, you know. And it's not just a great way of living, it's a great way of dying, you know. Well, exactly, but, you know, John, uh, I think you said it the right way, regardless of what happens to you, you know, you have hope and you have the strength to get through it. Right. Um, in ways that you you cannot have if you're, if you're not a, a follower of Christ. It's the best way to say it to the people listening. There's no other way really to say it, and it's hard to articulate, other than... You feel you have a foundation, and you feel like you're going to be okay. Right. It's going to work out. Versus, you know, I gotta, I gotta go to this addiction, or I have to do this um, to get through it. Um, so, yeah, Jesus, it's quite a gift. Yeah. I mean, the Bible is a gift. Jesus says, "I come that you might have life, and life mm-hmm. more abundantly." Yeah. I, I think that life that He gives us is is salvation. Yeah. But the abundant life is to be into his word, to understand how to pray, to see answers to prayer, to be influential yeah. in extending his kingdom and making disciples. So there's all kinds of benefits. Yeah. Um, so maybe somebody's listening today that never really considered these kind of uh, explanations or reasons to believe in a yeah. God, let alone the God of the Bible. But I would right. encourage you to do so. And I think in the weeks to come, David, we're going to look at this problem of evil and suffering in the world today. Mm-hmm. Why would God ever do that or allow that? We'll look at that. Um, and the other thing is the special guests we have coming in next week and uh, in the weeks to come. So, again, if anybody's listening today and never really thought about these questions or this explanation that there is a God, and he is certainly as he plans for uh, the universe itself, when we see spring springing all around us, he's got a, he's got a plan for your life and my life yeah. and David's life. But you have to come to know him, you know, to yeah. experience that. So God bless you all and have a great week. And uh David, God willing, we'll we'll be on the program next week with a special guest. Yes, have a great week, everybody. God bless.